I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Can I suggest you shut up and show more football? Come on, come on. Pick it, pick it. We've done that thing! Can we not knock it? I am flabbergasted. I wouldn't even let him on the bus after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. When the seagulls follow the troll, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you. I understand what I'm trying to get at. Yes, he was a great player. Yes, he was a wonderful leader. But he wasn't a magician. Take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. My name's Richard Keats. And my name is Andy Green. Well done. Hey, okay, sorry. Come on. Just... <laughs> I've said it before, uh, very much enjoying this, uh, the Keys and Gray podcast. Um, and, and by the way, if ever there was a time to start a podcast about the game, it, it has to be now, surely. VAR, the big project, the European Super League. I mean, Bartomeu. As he left Barcelona this week, the ex-president saying, "Well, oh, by the way, I signed Barcelona up to the European Super League yesterday." That doesn't commit them, surely. Well, <laughs> who knows? The new players but, are just going. No but thanks. whether it commits them or not, what's fascinating is that it's at a stage that appears to me to be well beyond, well advanced discussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I would say. Yes. Um, I, I mean, these are extraordinary times. It's great to be in the middle of it across the weeks. Uh, we'll be talking to those who have moulded the game as we know it and uh, those who are about to change it, Andy. <laughs> I think that is... I said a couple of weeks ago, evolution. Yeah. We talked about the big picture a lot on this podcast. Yeah. And I wonder if people now are beginning to think, do you know what? Maybe that wasn't a bad idea after all. The negativity that surrounded it, I just didn't understand. Mm. I did. One club, one vote. Oh, that. The rest of it, you can, for me, you you bring it on. Yeah, I'm not sure. Too many clubs falling into into debt now. I mean, I noticed the chief executive Sunderland this week saying, uh, "We're about to lose 10. 10. By the way, I thought more. I thought we'd be more. That's just the start. I, uh, what are you, what are your issues with it? The big picture. I, I just. <sighs> I'm not talking European Super League. I'm oh, talking right. domestic. Uh, domestic. Big picture. Right. No, no, right, right, right. Well, well, I I overlapped the two. No, I've got more. I've got more problems with the European Super League than I, I have know with you the have. big picture. And and I and understand. One, and one vote, one team is perfect. Then, then we can discuss other ways to make the game domestically better. Yes, hundred percent. One vote, as we have now, to each club, but the rest of it, yeah. I I think we should we should be thinking of moving in that direction right. because otherwise 
we are going to end up with something that we don't want. Yeah. Properly. Anyway, you can have follow you done, us. Have you done the introduction yet? Not yet. Right. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Keys and Grey Pod. That's Keys A N D, not the little fancy sign. Keys and Grey Pod. And on email at Keys and Grey the Podcast at gmail.com. And most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five star review, please. Because it really helps. Others. Oh, any any kind of star, but five would be nice. <laughs> five would be nice. How's your golf? <laughs> My golf. Yeah. Um, oh, wallowing <laughs> in your glory. I see. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, well, Three. as an old as an old Scottish caddy once said to me at St Andrews, when I had had a nightmare round, and then about the sixteenth hole, I finally hit one, and I went, I knew it was in there somewhere, and he went, Yes, sir. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. <laughs> no, I have to confess that you and Mr. De Jong at the moment, Nigel De Jong, uh, yeah. are in pretty impressive form at the moment. Unbeatable, I think. Well, not unbeatable. You three were lucky. in a row. You were lucky the as, other day. As, as Joseph was it? Sorry. Respect. Sorry. Respect. Yeah, you were lucky the other day. You can't hit the ball into the desert and it bounced through the desert, not in the fairway. This is the kind of things we're up against. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nigel, by the way, will join us next week. Nigel yes, Leon. Well, uh, uh, happy birthday. We we mentioned Pele last week yes. at 80. Diego yeah. Maradona at 60. Wow. Did you see what he said about his 60th birthday present? He'd like to go back and score a goal against England with his right arm this time. <laughs> Brilliant sense of humor. That's funny. <laughs> well, but see, I, I never really understood what the problem was. So many players, given the very same opportunity, would have done the very same thing. It, it 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 was cute from, from for me. It was cute Richard, from his perspective. You, the the officials should have picked it up. Of course Andy. they should. Really, first of all, Reedy should have kicked him. Yeah, but he couldn't get near him. Reedy should have brought him down. Couldn't get near him. No. Secondly, Terry Fenwick's on a yellow, so doesn't want to foul him. Correct. But everything Manchester City and Tottenham do these days, Fenwick should have done. Stop his run. Yeah. Stop it. You just invited him past yourself, Terry. Yeah. That was on the. That was obviously on the second goal, but the first one. It, I. It's it's really hard as an Englishman to say I I don't see the problem. If we'd done that at the other end, I'd have taken it all day long. Listen, Richard, if you if you look through history, uh, but the amount of players on, on who instinctively in situations in the penalty area, um, well they'll come in and they'll have tried and they're just about to miss it and their little hand will go out and they'll try and poke in the net with their arm. They'll get caught and everyone gets on with it. It's a handball. Let's move on. He did it, and I sh I'm sure Maradona did that thinking. I'm not getting away with it. I really believe that. I think you're right. I think he yes. went up, knew he wasn't getting it, and thought, do you know what? I'll just flip that in. And I think he thought, I can't believe it. One it's almost surprising his face when he turns away. criticism of the England team, Schiltz should have cleaned him out. Yeah, he's, you maybe, can't get maybe, the ball, take yeah. everything. You could have put yeah. a cigarette paper underneath Schiltz's feet. Yeah. And we've spent, we've spent ever since complaining about it. Peter came and joined us when we were at Talk Sport. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? And, mm -hmm. and he said then, he's changed his mind subsequently, but <laughs> he changed then. Similar situation. I'm a goalkeeper. I put my arm around a ball that's gone over the line and pull it back before yeah. the technology. Yeah. It's, it, he said, what's the difference? No difference. Yeah. What about the one that happened at, uh, at Manchester United? Yeah. The goalie. Was it Tottenham goalie? Yeah, Pedro Mendes. And he, he hooked it back yeah. off the line. It was a yard off, over the line. Off the line. Hooked it <laughs> back off and then carried on and played on. And the, the linesman didn't see it, so they played on. So what is he supposed to do, the goalie? Just say, sorry, that was in. I made a big mistake. That's a goal. No. Of course he's not. Did we all see Milan-Roma? What, last week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did, 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 have we seen the, the, the follow-up to Milan-Roma? Yes. The two VAR yes, officials suspended. suspended. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've said to you before, um, there, there is 
for me, then they're not just suspended because they made bad decisions. And I, you think there's something more sinister there? No, I agree with you that I think they made bad decisions. Mm. Very bad decisions. But we know the Italian league to be creative when it comes to football mm -hmm. and the results of football matches. Has been. Historically. <laughs> yes, that's the one I'm looking for. Has been creative <laughs> yes. when it comes to football matches. Yes. Um, I, For me, never has there been an easier way to fix a football match than with VAR. Oh. Now, I'm not saying top end. Mm -hmm. I'm saying once we start to get VAR Lower across the, the pyramid, as it were, not just in, in, in the UK, but when Nations League football, the smaller of those games. Are. Listen, let's not kid ourselves. Match fixing goes on all the time. Yes, it does. We just don't yeah. want to admit it because it causes a problem. So if we can lay it to one side and pretend it doesn't happen, far better that. But I think, I mean, th those two this week, the, 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 the two Italian lads, and let's not forget in Germany when they started with VAR, yeah. um, th th their they chief had, was sacked. They had to play he, was, he was giving decisions to his own team, Schalke. <laughs> uh, Helmut Krug <laughs> was his name. So he was sacked. So I, I, I just, I fear that, that and, and it's, it's, it's this, you know, having been embracing of the big picture, I said the other week, now who are the dinosaurs? I don't think it's me and you. I think we want to see football evolve, you and I. 100%. We certainly don't want to stand in the way of progress. Nope. But as far as VAR is concerned, I, I still don't think it's been, whatever David Dean tries to tell me about it, and he's a great advocate of it, I don't think it's been useful addition to our game. I think it has been, Richard, and, and we'll be going forward, it, at the risk of people hammering me, slamming me down, listen, it's not taking the game forward one step. If anything, it's held it back. It's holding it back. Mm. It's it's making it less enjoyable to watch. I mean, are you telling me that 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 people watch football now and enjoy it more because of VAR? Because no. decisions are right? Because we can't argue about? Well, they're not correct. Oh, they're, they're, all we all we're doing is we're arguing about different things. Yes. We've, we've still got we've still got subjective decision making. We've still got interpretation. Correct. And and in the Premier League. We, we've still got Mike Riley skulking around at the back of the bunker telling people what decisions to make, which is why I have said, and I am absolutely convinced by this, we have to be allowed to, to listen, listen yeah. to the conversations. Yeah. The A-League have a, 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 a adopted it in Australia. If they've got nothing to hide, and I can't think what they might have, yeah. then I do not understand why mm. we cannot mm. be party to listening in so that we can educate ourselves yeah. and understand the interpretations. And we don't have patsies like Dermot Gallagher and Chris Foy and a whole host of others coming out on a Monday morning justifying, justifying decisions, yeah. which we know were wrong. Yeah. So why, why, why try and kid us? Let us in. Let us hear what you're saying, and then there will be no... Well, there's always a good reason to. Everyone always trials it. They're all saying, well, don't, we can't bring it straight in the Premier League. Maybe you could. Yes, you can. But, but if you don't want to do that, if you don't, and I don't think they do. No, right? do I. But why right? would they not? Why, wouldn't you, why don't you use another tournament? What have you got to hide? Nothing. But then I'm just then saying, do it. But you know what? Listen, they don't like scrutiny. Well, they've got more now than ever. Somehow, like somehow, referees have elevated themselves from a position whereby they were part of part of a day out. Good ref didn't notice him today. To, to being the most talked about element yeah. of a football match, and I'm fed up 
of it. They've got what they wanted. John Moss wandering around with with with, with sponsored boots, Mossy on his boots. I mean, come on! You're there to make up the game, not yes. to be the most important they're thing about to, the to, game. The, the, the description of the job tells you why they're there. Referee, James Rodriguez. Referee. We didn't get uh, we didn't get the information about the injury. Now that's that's not very nice. Just because it wasn't quite as effective as it has been. No, no, no. I'm not. No, I'm. I'm not saying that. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, um, um, bruised bollock. What? Yeah, picked up in the <laughs> in the Liverpool game. Uh, hematoma. Not funny, really. No, it's not funny. Um, Trust me. No, I've been um, smacked there a few times in my career. <laughs> it is not he did funny. play at Southampton, as we know, not particularly well. Um, well neither did Everton, to be fair. No, uh, although he wasn't one of three players brought off. But uh, good luck to him because that is, as you Scott say, oh. a, a sore one. That's a sore one. <laughs> right. Uh, we will. Uh, I, I think it's time to introduce our guest. Um. I'm proud to say a long-standing friend now. Yes. Um, I'm proud to say I met him when he was a baby. Yeah. Yeah. A footballing baby. Me and Shreves, he met him at Heathrow. I, I mean, I, we, we will get round to talking about how seriously he takes his football. Yeah. But he did, by his own admission, he did enjoy his time as a player. Well, so did I. Uh, me and Shreves, he saw him at Heathrow once, having flown back from Manchester, and, and, and Jeff's got a camera crew with him. and said, Yorkie, you know, can, can you just do two minutes? Always happy to help. But he said, yeah, well, where can we go? Because Gaffer doesn't know I'm here. The, the 8.35 to Glasgow is shortly to leave at Terminal 2. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's such a good lad. Uh, so he let, is a great lad. Let's meet the Keys and Grey podcast guest. So, three European Cups, Andy. Should have been more. 12 or 13 Premier League titles. I can't remember. It's somewhere in that yes. order. Uh, FA and League Cups. Uh, just a plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, our guest this morning, a, a huge part of that, and probably in a better position than anybody yeah. to, to p- pass judgment. Um, uh, Dwight York, how are you, first of all? <laughs> Very well, thank you, Mr. Keys and Mr. Gray. Excellent. It's a pleasure to be on your program. Um, now, I, I, I list those trophies with a purpose. When, when you look at the league table, do you think this group have got enough to stay up? <laughs> Yorkie, I'm sorry. Yeah. I had no idea I was going to ask you first question. Now. That's scandalous. <laughs> well, look yeah, at the table. I, 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 I hope he's not referring to, is he talking to, uh, there's many, I've played for maybe three Premier League clubs. Uh, it depends on who, which one you're talking I, about. You, I, I think I, we know who he's talking about. I, you know exactly what Manchester United are thinking about. If if we make it only two, that's one space that we don't have to worry about. Yeah. That, that's what the big, that's really the truth about the big picture. You see? <laughs> that's what, that's, that's, you see, when you delve beneath delve the surface. Beneath it. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, Yorkie, what are your team doing involved in a relegation battle? <laughs> <laughs> well, give the boys a bit of a, a chance. It's not even really, we don't even played 10 games yet. So um, there is still a lot. We see there's a lot of uncertainty in the Premier League. Everyone is capable of beating uh, each other. And I think that's probably, from that perspective, there's still a positive sign and still a long way to go. So... Early days yet, I think that they're coming into good form. 
based on the European performance of what I've seen so far. See, this is an and so, Just as yeah. he talks, let yeah. me talk over it, because this, yeah. this is the standard <laughs> this is diplomatic standard. answer. He's almost reading that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think he's got that written down. Have you got that on your computer, Yorkie? Are you writing that? Have you written that down? <laughs> This is why he has full diplomatic immunity. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> well, I'm not avoiding the question. I'm coming back to it now. I did, mean, you however, take, we did you still take that out of your diplomatic attaché case? Did you take that statement out of your diplomatic bag? <laughs> I've got it written down. Don't forget, when I come on your program, I have to be prepared, guys. So I'm prepared for anything. Uh, now, listen, obviously, we jest, Yorkie. We know where you'll be, rightfully in amongst the top eight, I would have thought, come the end of the season. Well, I think maybe top six with a good finish. Yeah, I think top six. I think good I, I still think you're being a bit very harsh. I think we've got plenty of seen that. Um, and I feel the boys will be right in amongst it uh, come come the end of the season. Well, they're not winning the league, are you? I mean, that's that's the thing. Winning the league? No. Are you sure? Not, are they? No. Not, what are we, in October? Yeah. November? And you're not winning the league. That's, that's... Right now, I would think they'd settle for top four. Genuinely. I'm not joking anymore. <laughs> Top four. Anyway, listen, yeah. enough of this. It's all enough far too current. We want yes. to know a little bit about Dwight York. Everybody knows the story, Yorkie. From the kid mm. with his ass hanging out of his trousers in uh, Trinidad, Trinidad. Yeah. to one of the most recognisable footballers in the world. How did that transition take place and how on earth did you get started? Well, as you, like I said, you know, from coming from the Caribbean, small country of Trinidad and Tobago, I mean, we were known for cricket. In fact, the West Indies are the ones who sort of put us on the map in terms of their excellent um, achievement in the mid-70s, 80s, uh, and probably the early 90s. So having a kid coming out of the Caribbean to play football is a bit of an unknown story. But, you know, as a young boy, you like every other young boy in and around the world, He's got aspiration of being a professional footballer. So, you know, in 1990, we were one point away from qualifying for the World Cup. We played America. Um, unfortunately, we lost that game. I was still at high school. And it sort of just excelled from there. Villa uh, came to the, to the shores that particular year after being knocked out of the FA Cup. So they had a two-week break. The late Graham Taylor has brought the team there and they heard about this young kid who's making headways, uh, had a look at me, uh, asked me to play. They had two games. They asked me to play in the second game and uh, obviously refused that. Uh, the fans wasn't particularly happy. And then I was invited up to England on a six-week trials. And within that period of time, obviously, I made a grade, granted a work permit and pretty much moved to uh, yeah, to England. By myself, I was 16, going on wow. 17, wow. a bit un unknown. Know nothing about what professionalism, football. All I knew that I was going to get a little bit of money in my pocket and I was going to be playing football but you, uh, for a living. You've missed a big chunk out. What about years 2 to 12? What, 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 when did you start <laughs> to fall in love with a football? Because the world was different then. You well, weren't, you weren't no, getting... Knowing him, I would have yeah. said... One and a half in football, the way you you weren't getting, we weren't getting the sort of coverage that we do these days, were we? Yeah, well, I mean, seriously, I, I mean, I, I grew up in a, in a family of nine. I got six brothers and, you know, pretty much the way we used to gather is in the park or in on the football pitch. And, you know, that's that's kind of like the meeting place. There was no social media back in them days. No. Um 
So, yeah, there was much, the, the football wasn't particular. I wouldn't call it a football at the time because it was probably <laughs> yes. all yeah, mess, messed up kind of football. But it was enough to, you know, to, to kick about and, you know, get out the house with your brothers and them in that young age and realize I just fell in love with it. Every time I saw the football, I was like after it. And then, you know, just right. kind of developed my own skills from a very, very young age, between six and and 12, I would say six is when I really start yeah. to to get, um, you know, the, the love for the sports and understand it a little bit more. So what, that's where it all kind of... Were any of the brothers any good, Yorkie? I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest of, of four brothers. I've got three older brothers. And the one thing I do remember when I was young, my, my brothers were all pretty good at football. In fact, if I was to look yeah. at about at the age of 12 to, 30, to 14, 10 to 14, they were all probably better than me. But for one reason or another, yeah. none of them made it. Were any of your brothers good enough to have gone on, yeah. you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I came from a very sporty family, I have to say. Um, they all obviously older than me and they probably thought they were better than me, but <laughs> that, that wasn't the case. And, and they all played football because back in the days, what used to happen, we have two seasons, the dry season and the rainy season. So the dry season, we all play cricket. That was, you know, that was a given. And when the, when the, when the rainy season comes along, we all play football and that, that was it. And everybody was involved. The whole village, we call it village back in the days. The whole village would play. Everybody will interact and they will got this one football pitch where we all used to gather and games used to take place in that. Same with the cricket. We play cricket on that same pitch. They turn it into a cricket pitch. And and everyone was playing cricket in the in the summer. So yeah, my going back to your question, Andy. Yeah, my brothers and them were pretty good. I got my brother Clint who represent cricket, played in the Lancashire League, scored tons of ro- uh, runs there. And I had other young uh, my brothers, my elder brothers, they represent Trinidad, but not quite gone on to the level that I have gone. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of come through that ranks, and but from a very young age, everyone recognised that I was going to be slightly better than my brothers and them. So so nine, nine did you say nine brothers or nine children? Six, nine children, six three nine. sisters, six boys, yeah. right. six boys in total. Well, obviously your yeah. dad didn't have a television, so where were you watching football? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and that, that was very much true. That was the thing that my mom said. There was no television in those days, well, so that's how we ended up with nine Obviously, obviously not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as, as, uh, as early as I would think in the mid-80s or something like that, you know, when the black and white TV came out and then... We used to run outside and, you know, try to turn the antenna to try and get, you know, <laughs> a, a better picture. That's the kind of stuff I grew up with, um, especially back in this. And then the big league, is it big league football or big league soccer? Did yeah, yeah, back in England back then? Yes. So we used to watch that. We used to come over at a certain time during the, on a Saturday. Uh, and then we used to got the glimpse of the, what, what is now the Premier League. Um, uh, we just used to watch that. And that's why I kind of, watch and develop. And, and then uh, I would say in the late 80s, we started to get a little bit of Italian football as well. And so, and that's why I kind of start watching TV and, and start learning my trade a little bit better. Who did you support? I was a Tottenham fan. What? Why? It's Tottenham, lads. Yeah. Spursy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the brand, that brand of football. I mean, when, when you come from the Caribbean, you, you always relate to Brazilian type of football. And uh, so uh, I think Tottenham was the, the team that is closely, you know, the Ardiles and the Waddle and them of this world, um, even Guard Crooks, 
you know, watching those type of players. Um, just love the style. They just love the brand. It wasn't winning anything, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> oh, at that time. Nothing changes? Yeah, no, there they wasn't. But they were, they were I mean, I remember they get into an FA Cup final, I think, of one of those. They might have won back in the days. I'm not sure. I can't remember how long. I think with Crooksy. Uh, with Crooksy. Uh, won an FA Cup. So it was back then. That would be Manchester City, I would suggest. Yeah, oh, Crooksy was. Oh, that Man City yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, it would be Man City yeah. game. Yeah. yeah, that was it. Right. Yeah, so yeah, so that's that's when I really, really thought Tottenham was a, a great team. So listen, I mean, you say well, I jumped on a plane. You're 16 years old, man, and and you're getting on a plane to follow yeah. a dream. You must have yeah. been frightened to death. Yeah. Well, no, because I was kind of exposed at a very young age. Don't forget, I was traveling with the national senior team already because I was already uh, uh, at that level. Uh, you know, I was representing Trinidad. Oh, wow. Okay senior team because I was playing World Cup qualifiers so I had to travel America I was traveling Costa Rica Mexico and playing against all those teams so I was used to traveling but yeah, never yeah, to Yeah but Europe. you'd never been to you Birmingham know? had you? No. You'd never been to Birmingham Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah and that was, that, that was that was totally different I was escorted up by a, by, a, by my manager at the time who was representing me and he, he, didn't even, he was a manager of a of a um, travel agent. He called himself my manager. He wasn't a football manager. He just came with me to make sure that <laughs> everything was handed over properly. That's, yeah. And so, um, obviously, uh, coming to England, like unknown, yeah, 16. I have no clue what was happening. I just was going to be putting in the digs. And I, at the first time, I was putting in the digs with, um, with uh, Tony Daly, mom. Uh, oh, and then okay. I moved out to that and went to Bryn and Sheila in Cozil, a very quiet, neighborhood and I think that helped me a lot you know sort of from the very early age they didn't have any children there um, although they had what you call digs then obviously back then and you know other players from around the world or other part of the England uh, district came to, on trial so I was always having somebody in in the, in the digs to kind of relate to at the time but um, yeah, uh, I was very lucky that I had Sheila and Bryn uh, yeah. and put me in a village called Cozil. So the middle of nowhere, and that kind of settled me down. And uh, but I was there. I, I knew that this was a once in a lifetime opportunity for me, and and uh, it's either you know make something of it and become uh, somebody uh, rather than just a, a, a bunch of guys back home who had lots of talent not given the opportunity so i knew this was huge and uh, i wasn't going to let it slip by without really um focusing on on trying to improve as as a footballer ever get homesick at all never bother you sorry did you ever get homesick your okay at all anytime yeah, a little, a little bit, a little bit. Um, there were t- obviously, you know, missing. It was a culture shock to me when I got to England. You know, not just the weather, the people, the food. You know, everything was totally different. You know, I came there. I didn't have any jacket when I came because in the Caribbean we don't need a jacket. So you know, all that kind of stuff. They brought a jacket at the airport for me when I was picked up. Um, and yeah, yeah. So the food, the culture, the people, the lifestyle was totally different to what I was used to back in the Caribbean. Uh, and I came in the middle of winter, I think it was back end of November. Oh, so you can imagine what was going oh, on there. So, yeah, it wasn't very easy. And I think at that particular time, especially the first six months, I found it very, very difficult. But it didn't deter me. In fact, it made me more determined because I realized that this wasn't going to be as easy as I thought. But once you put me 
in a football arena, that's where I was more comfortable and, and very happy. Um, and yeah, the, the weather did play a part. I wasn't, I didn't take too well to the weather for the first six to a year. One of the of reasons why you now live back in the sunshine in Dubai, and yeah. that's a very good decision. Yeah, in my well, view. It's a very good reason. But listen, yeah. Villa fans will know that Graham well, Taylor. I think I, pay, I think I, I think I pay my dues. I lived in England for third, nearly thirty years. Oh, more than, so more than Yorkie. Yeah. But Villa fans will remember Graham's time came and went. Big Ron arrives with a, a brash. A noisy, difficult um, assistant. Oh, thanks very much, <laughs> Scotsman by the name of Andy Gray. But I, I, I mean, yeah. we've we've spoken often privately about the influence he had on you. Please share it with yeah. us because it's a great story. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, Andy probably will uh, echo this a little bit in in many respects. I, I, you know, when Ron came to the to, to the club. You know, Graham Taylor, unfortunately, when he left, because that's who gave me my opportunity, I was kind of left a little bit on, in an unknown situation. New manager come. Again, that was something new to me. Um, and, you know, big run when you get to know him. As you say, brash, very exciting, flamboyant, whatever you want to call him. And obviously, you got a, a legend like Andy in, in the ranks there, an attacking player who I can fun, relate yeah. to at that time. <laughs> So, you know, you go and you do your studies and you, you look and, you, you know, people like, uh, um, I'm not sure, was it David Platt and all of them were still yes, there? Yes, Platty was, yeah. Platty was, yeah. Yeah. Was no, Platty was there, yeah, 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 with you, yeah. And, yeah, Platty and, and Sid Cowens. And so from a very early age, I kind of looked at those two guys who used to take a bag of balls, go back after training, you know, hit it in the net. Sid Cowens would call for David Platt. He will head it. And gradually, each day as I was playing with the first team and getting in, I kind of like, you know, sort of taking up that mantle and thinking, yeah, this is the way to go. But Mr. Gray Day, on the other hand, you know, obviously there was rumors that he was going to leave the football club due to, to Sky at the time. But, you know, from the very early age, he would always say, yeah, you've got to be, you know, why don't you head it? And maybe that's why I've scored so many goals <laughs> in my head, because, you know, uh, Andy used to say, just head it. Why don't you head it? It's the most accurate part of your body you can get the, the thing with instead of using your football. So in training, I start diving and heading balls and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I developed my heading skill ability. Well, that's thanks to uh, Mr. Gray, I, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it's, it's it, you know, without Andy, he gives me an insight as to what it takes from a very early age to what it would, uh, how I can become a better player and the work ethic. And, you know, put your foot through the ball instead of being... He didn't like the more flashy players, so to speak. He liked, you know... <laughs> no, I did. You, see, once again, I can use the Why phrase... Why are you flashing? Just put your foot through it. Why are you trying to be all stylish, you know? Yeah. And even to this day, you listen when he's done his commentary and he's done in, uh, his anal <laughs> analyzing on TV. Just put your foot through it. And that's something that's always been echoed in my air um, in many respects. But no, yeah, Andy uh, certainly gave me a very early, from a very early indication what it will take <laughs> to be a top player in this league. And I, um, yeah, so I, I, I couldn't I have can, got a better teacher geez, to was, help me was, through. All I was doing around you was making you more rounded. You could do all yeah, well, You could chip the goalkeeper. Yeah, well, you could flick it past them. That was natural for you. I was just making you more rounded. Well, and obviously yeah, had an impact. Yeah, and I can I can use the phrase again, Yorkie. Nothing's changed. He still doesn't like tip, tippy tappy players. <laughs> but listen, the reason, Yorkie, to be serious now, the reason I've asked you to 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 talk to us about the 
the determination it took to surface. You're, you're back in a situation now where you're, you're, you're trying to find a break as a coach. Um, your reputation as a party boy, uh, has that stopped you so far finding a job? Or is it the fact that you're black? Well, I think there was a bit of both there. Uh, and there's, there's a two uh, answer to your questions in many respects. I mean, people say, yeah, I'm a party boy. I, I'm no different to Mr. Gray in many respects. Sure, I man. had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time as a player. I was always a happy-go-lucky yeah. type of person. Uh, I was never engaged or married or lived with anyone at that those particular times. Um, I take my football very serious. No one could say, oh, yeah, I hear Dwight never turned up for training. He didn't do this or he didn't do that. When it comes to his professional, he, he was very, I was totally professional. As a fact, I can actually go back and say, I don't think I've ever missed a day in training because mm. I've, I've been very lucky. I never really got ill or anything to like stay at home or mistraining because I went out and didn't get up in time to be training. And you never hear those things. So there's a bit of stereotype. Now, you know, for me, you take away my personality, then I'm not a happy bunny. I like to be myself. You, you know, mm -hmm. I'm looking at Jeffrey Archer, who's played cricket for, for, for England right now with a West Indian background. He, he's got his big necklace around him, but that's just, how your character is yeah. and, and people get mislead because of your character uh, and not and take away the vision of what you are behind the scene, your work ethic, how you do things. Um, and that some, sometimes get misled or misleading, so to speak. Mm. And in many, you get lost in transition somewhere along the line in, in terms of you, you know, your commitment to your sports and what you do. Um, and, and so going back to your second part of your question, yeah, it, it is a challenge. And, you know, you work hard throughout your career to make a name for yourself and your reputation. And people sometimes stereotype about you because of, you know, um, you're black and the way you carry yourself. You know, we have a struggle about ourselves that doesn't really relate to a lot of people. That doesn't mean you're incompetent. That doesn't mean you're intelligent. That doesn't mean you can't do a job. Uh, and, and so this stereotype of people saying, oh, yeah, this is Dwight being a party boy. I had a good time. I never break the rules. But when I go out, I did have a good time. But when it comes to my profession, I was totally professional. And I think that's getting misled sometimes yeah. in many respects. Yeah. And it's time for me to put that aside and people have to see beyond and realize, like, now I'm really focused on getting into management. And I'm more determined more because of the two applications I've put in, both Villa and Sunderland, not getting a response. Uh, and and because of the, 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 black, the, the uh, black Lives Matter movement is really elevate things moving forward a little bit more and give me a little bit more uh, motivation to really push forward with, with my cause of becoming a manager. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at really at the moment, guys. So you, do you think, though, in the last... Even in the short term, Dark, you talked about Black Lives Matter. Do you think in the in the short term that things have improved to an extent that you feel that sadly, I mean, I'm, I'm flabbergasted when you when you talk about Aston Villa and Sunderland, not even at the courtesy of That's a reply, a especially Aston Villa. I, I feel 
quite disgusted with that, Yorkie. That's that you deserve that. What yeah. you did for that club, you at least deserved something from that club, which is really disappointing for both of us in that respect. But do you feel over the last maybe two years, eighteen months, six months, that things have got better with respect that you may the doors may open more readily than they have done in the future? Well, I want to say yes, um, but there is no significant evidence that right. that has happened yet, right? We, we've seen little moves. We've seen Leslie, is it Leslie King at uh, Tottenham is coming to the Ledley, back room yeah. stop? Yeah, yeah, Leslie, yeah. Uh, uh, and you've seen a little bit of uh, a little bit of movement. Um, you've seen the you, you, you've seen things more happening frequently. I mean, I, I turn on the TV today, and there's more black faces on the television in recent time that you ever see. So yeah, from that perspective, things are. But in terms of our sports and where we are. Um, we know we've seen Chris Hughes and obviously got restored back into management at yeah. at, um, Forest. at Forest, yeah. and that is a good thing. But we still haven't managed to get anybody in at the top division yet. Not that there's a, a space available. I am hopeful, and I, I I have every intention of trying to break this mold. Good, uh, and it's about being equal, being fair. When I'm not disputing the fact that other players have been fast tracked without calling names, we've seen it. From championship to the Premier League, people have been fast-tracked or been given an opportunity. And that's great. I embrace that. But when it comes to the black players or the black managers or the black um, ex-players who are trying to break into management, I think it's fairly, I think it's fair to say that it's been unfair in, in that respect because we don't feel like we've been given an opportunity. We don't get a response in terms when you apply for jobs. You don't go into boardroom and says, well, we don't, you know, get a feel for what they're expecting of you, where you fail on, where you could improve on. And so you get a feel as to where you can, where you can get things moving in a better way. Now, uh, that is not happening. You can talk and, and say as much. And we've been, the, 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 the Rooney rule has been implemented for such a long time. And I think that's just a token gesture. Yeah. You know, because you know and I know Andy and Keezy that a manager is getting sacked tomorrow or they're thinking of a manager getting sacked. They're already talking to somebody. Yeah. They're already having conversation with, with that person or two or three people who they're interested in. And so us coming in at the later stage is just a token gesture, right? And so we don't get into the... We don't get a, a, a reply. We don't get, we don't get into the boardroom state of you know, doing your presentation now or being, you know, um, interviewed for the job, then we, we're a long way off. We're not even close. On we're, that, not, we're not even close. On that basis, Yorkie, um, we won't take up too much more of your time, but is is taking the knee now a token gesture? Is it is it time to move on? Has that had the impact that, that we wanted it to? I think it has the impact. And uh, but you know uh, that can only last for so long. We still need to see movement in in the right areas. We we need to see people implemented into the boardrooms and 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 given a, 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 an equal opportunity. Uh, and until we see that, then yeah, the, the need of the, the, the T-shirt. I can see that still being driven. Obviously, everyone is still taking the knee at the moment in here, but. 
Yeah, it's still difficult. Um, as I said, I'm here doing my pro license now, and uh, I'm learning the trade behind the scene. And it's different from a coach to a manager. The transition in those times, and I've been very lucky, and I'm one of the fortunate people who have access to the likes of Man United and going there, and you can work and observe. I, I you know, I had lunch with Sir Alex Ferguson six weeks ago. I had lunch with Steve McLaren four weeks ago. You know, just to pick their brains a little bit, I called Garrett Southgate personally, and he was kind enough to respond to me. And I had a conversation. I played with Garrett for four years, and I am asking what I need to do, how, how, what's the approach, and I've got some very good feedback and uh, on that. So I'm one of the privileged guys who's got all that access, and still finding it very, very difficult to get in. You know, with all that, the, the, the name dropping, I'm, I'm calling it, it's a fact. And, you know, these people back it up because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you exactly what happened. But with all that behind me and the backing of Sir Alex, with, you know, the, the, you know, that he's there and Steve McLaren to give you a recommendation if needed, you still can't get into errors. And so how, how can one do that? So I had to cross the T's and dot, um, dot all the I's, as they say. So I'm doing my pro license, so then people can't say, "Oh, you haven't completed your pro license." So I'm make sure that I'm covering all bases. So I want to know what will be the next step as to why I wasn't given an opportunity into management. So well, we'll so keep we'll, we'll, we'll keep banging the drum with you, Yorkie, and 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 we've we've spoken with a purpose today, and that's it. If you show the same determination, and and I think you are to getting in as you did as a, a lad wanting to become a footballer, then there's there's it'll happen. So keep going, my friend. One thing that does disappoint me is just finishing. Gone. And when he, he reeled off that name of great coaches that he's been phoning <laughs> to get advice, I've just checked my phone. No missed calls from Yorkie. Well, quite right. Oh, yeah. Well done, Yorkie. <laughs> Yorkie, keep laughing. Yeah, keep thanks, determined. Yorkie. You, you, it, it'll happen. Great to talk. Uh, play, and by the way, play well this afternoon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you, buddy. Bye. Dwight York, who went, yeah. <laughs> went on to tell us that he's now playing off, or has been recently, plus one. Scandalous. I mean, I know when he used to come here as a guest, we loved having him here, and he, he loves his golf so much. We used to play, and he was about four then. But, I mean, it was a different league from us. Mm. Of course he was. But then when he said that today, it was off plus one. But what was funny, what was interesting, we were just talking there of, of Mike, is he said that I'm not enjoying it playing off plus one. Well, why would you? You know, he said, that's for the pros. I said, well, you are a pro. The golf for me is about encouraging your opponent's ball into either the water or the sand, one or the other. And and let's not pretend. That's when you get your age. Let's not pretend. We all do. You you are you are happy to say good shot, Andy. Uh-huh. Yeah. But if the alternative is it's either in the water or the bunker, well, you're chuffed a bit. Well, it's a bit inside like inside you're quite happy. Oh, of course you yeah. are. It's like it's like you pretending as you sit on a bench for twelve games in a row, you want Sharp and Heath to play well. No, you don't. No, you don't. If I'm not starting, the guy that's starting in my place, I want to have a nightmare because I want to be back in next week. It's a ridiculous concept to say, oh, the boys play well. I'm really happy for them. No, you're not. I was. How can you be? I was really happy for them. It doesn't mean you say I was happy for myself. That's really, You want them pumped? No, I don't. The sooner you're back in, the lead. better. Of course you do. No, I don't believe any, any professional that wants to win wants, is, is sitting on a bench going, God, I'll tell you what, he's playing well. 
No. You want to win the league? Think you Divo, want to win the league Divo, and be what? Divock wanted his team to win every week when he was playing. Different. Or, or he wanted like, Firmino to have a nightmare. Mean, be sure. Divock Origi should be lucky even to be sitting on the bench. <laughs> Come on. I'm talking about players that generally start. You do not want to be on the bench watching oh, the lad in your jersey bench, no. playing well. No. You want to have a man and you want to be back in as quickly as possible. No. No, I don't. I don't agree with that. Ah well, I didn't sit on the bench often, but if I was, if I was, <laughs> it's because you were never picked. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, you don't want a, a ball in the bunker? Oh no, that's different. Graham Souness, the only player uh-huh. I've ever played with who plays off a sliding handicap. Yeah. What, what, what's your handicap, Graham? Well, uh, I didn't sleep very well last night, so I'll play off fourteen. Yeah. No, 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 Graham. Graham, what is your handicap? What's your yeah, handicap? You do have a handicap. Yeah, well, yes. Well, well, uh, well, it, it should be 12. Yeah. Yeah, well, then it's yeah. 12. The turndown service was excellent last night. I'll play off 10 today. That's it. The have, we got, have we got time for that story? I must just tell that story about the turndown service. We changed his hotel, and uh, he, he was uh, explaining to me that he wasn't very happy about the new one because the turndown service was shocking. Yes. I said, really? I said, explain more. He said, well, I came back after having a dinner with uh, the lovely young Mrs. Sunas and there were wet towels all over the floor. So I remember calling the studio uh, <laughs> assistant, Laura, over. I said, Laura, look. I said, can we have a word with everybody now at the hotel where Graham's staying? When he was having dinner, somebody came in his room and dropped wet towels <laughs> all over the floor. By the way, pick them up yourself. No, You've no. put them there. No, that's for someone else to pick up in Graham's mind. Oh, the turndown. Turn down service was shocking. <laughs> Anyway, uh, going forward, we are going to start telling you a few more stories. I, I thought about this having spoken to Nasty Nigel last week. Yeah. His idle memories. Name a football club. We've got a story to tell you about it. If 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 anybody wants to do so, we'll do it. We should have. We should anybody have you like. We should have a story. Anybody you like. Mm. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening again. Get involved on Twitter and Instagram at Keys and A N D, and I emphasise that every time. Keys and Grey Pod. Why, why? By the way, why did we put and and not just the and sign? Uh, that's above my pay grade. Oh, I would have no idea. Yeah, ridiculous. And subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. Take care and we'll talk to you next week. We should be in the, the live company of a World Cup finalist yes. and Premier League winner, Nigel de Jong. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.